Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, this is our seventh week of gathering together in this way and uh, just want to welcome you. We do not take for granted your time and uh, wherever you are, whether that's in your home, maybe you're in your car, who knows, you may be in a hospital room, you may be at work, wherever you're at right now. Thank you for taking the time to join us in this way. It's so weird that we can't gather on a Sunday like we are used to. And, and even though, and we said this before, but even though you cannot be in God's house, it's so good to know that God is with you in your house. So glad that you're here today. I had a friend forward me an article this week about how people are having weird dreams during this pandemic season. We are having church together today in April of 2020. We're in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. And this article said that people are having all kinds of weird dreams because we're dealing with thoughts, emotions, struggles in the midst of this pandemic. And so we're having dreams. And these were the categories they said about public gatherings, about survival, about our childhood, about snacks. People are dreaming about snacks. Look, if your Oreos start talking to you, just send them my way because I'll, I'll take care of them for you. I had a dream this week, a few nights ago, and it was so clear. Rhonda and I were at some event. We were outside. It was a public gathering. I don't know who was there. I don't know what it was. I just know Rhonda and I were there. And all of a sudden, I heard this like rustling, and I looked over to my left, and to my left, there was a cornfield. And in this cornfield, like in the midst of this cornfield, all of a sudden this figure starts walking out. It looked like, do you remember the old movie Field of Dreams? It looked like this guy's coming out of the cornfield. This is all in my dream. And all of a sudden I look over and it's a friend of mine walking out of this cornfield. And I got so excited to see him. I like went running up to him. I grabbed his hand, shook his hand, pulled him in, gave him a big hug. And that's when I realized six feet, social distancing. I'm not supposed to, I backed off like this. Man, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It was all just so troubling to me. And he's like, hey man, it's okay, it's all right, no big deal. And that's when I woke up. And I was like, what a crazy dream to have. I, I wondered like, why am I having this dream? I think because our world is changing. I think it's because I miss you. And I think maybe we're asking the question, all of us, what do we do with all that we're going through during this season? You know, online church was, was kind of a novelty at, at first, but we're still missing people. We're missing so much of the interaction. And although we're trying to figure this all out, for some of us, the shelter in place, the staying at home, it's really starting to get old. Some of you are fearful. You're concerned. You're uncomfortable. Some of you are grieving and you're weary. Some of you are asking the question, when are we going to get together as a church again? What's next for us? I and mean, that's a great question. I know that churches all over the country, I know that we are asking that as a church over the course of these next few weeks. We'll, we'll be watching to see how our, our governor, how our leadership gives us um, some proper steps and gives us guidance about gathering together again. We're going to take the proper steps. We're going to keep people safe at the right time. We'll take those steps and do those things. We're hoping that in the next week or two, we'll have enough information to at least begin to put a plan together of what the future will look like for us as far as gathering physically 
together. And, and will it be in the next few days? Will it be weeks? Will it be months? We honestly don't know. What we do know is I'm so thankful for this online way that we're able to communicate that is only going to continue to be important and powerful for us as a church in the future. And when I think about the situation that we're in, it makes me think about those people that we've been reading about in the book of Revelation. We've been working through a series that we're calling Seven Letters. These are letters that Jesus gave to the Apostle John to write to some of the prominent churches of his day. We're on our fourth letter today, written to a city called Thyatira. And it's written to a church that is racked with compromise. Like it's filled with people who are compromising on their faith, what they believe, on the things that they know to be right. And yet... In the midst of that, Jesus calls out this group that is compromising and then he turns his attention directly to those who are faithful. And he says to them, I know what you've done. I know that you have not taken hold of these false teachings. You've not taken hold of these bad ideas. And I'll let you go back and read the whole letter for yourself. One verse in this letter that I want to focus on today, though, it's verse 25, Revelation chapter 2. Verse 25, Jesus lasers right in on this congregation of faithful people. And he says, I'm not asking anything more of you except to hold on to what you have until I come. It's kind of three things that I see Jesus say here to them. He says, look, I want you to hold on to what you have until I come. And those are three important things that Jesus says to them there. First, he says to them, hold on. Hasn't this been the theme of the book of Revelation? This is what we've seen. And at the risk of repeating this too many times, as we've gone through this book so many times, we can think that the book of Revelation is just about symbols or it's kind of sci-fi or it's got this kind of mystical future spirituality to it. Now, all that's true. There's, there's apocalyptic components to it. But if you go back to when and why it was written, the book of Revelation was written by a guy in isolation to a church in crisis because Jesus had a message for them that was relevant for them in that time and is important for us in this time. The message, as you read through these letters, seems like, like it says this. Things may get worse before they get better. And this is something that we've been talking about. It's something that's good for us to know. Things may get worse before they get better, but you are going to make it. And I know that we've said that over and over again. But Jesus says to them, I want you to hold on. You're going to make it. I know it's tough right now, but you're going to make it. Now, understand this. When Jesus says to them, hold on, he is not making an expression of desperation. Instead, it is a call to action and a call to courage. That's really important because you can take that idea of hold on in two different ways. You can take that idea of hold on to like, hold, hold on to it so you don't lose it. <laughs> hold on because things are bad. <laughs> but what Jesus is saying to them is hold on. We're going somewhere. You're going to make it through this. See, he already affirmed what kind of people they were. If you go back to verse 19, he calls them out as people of action, people of courage. Uh, listen to what he says. Revelation chapter 2 verse 19. Speaking to this congregation of faithful people, he says, look, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Je Jesus is affirming them in what they're doing. When I read that, I thought of so many of you in this season, because I've seen you go over and above in these last seven, eight weeks. 
with deeds to minister to others with love and faith and servants and perseverance. And many of you, you're, you're doing more now than you've done before. See, Jesus is not playing defense here. He's not saying hold on to something just so you don't lose it. This is not a message of desperation, fear, or defeat. What Jesus is saying to them is this, hold on, because here we go. We're going somewhere, so you hang on. Fun fact, didn't know this until recently. The McNamara Terminal at the Detroit airport, not too far from us, especially if, you, if you've flown out of there, it's, it's kind of the, the second largest hub for Delta Airlines. That terminal, the, the McNamara Terminal, is the second longest airport terminal in the world. I, I didn't know that. If you've ever been up there, you know that when you get your gate number and you're trying to figure out where to go, if you've got to go to the far ends, they have this tram. It's, it's 21 feet up in the air, and you can get on this, this kind of quick little train, and it just moves. It constantly runs back and forth from one end of the terminal to the other. And it's, it's a quick, easy way to kind of get to the other side. I have this tendency, and oftentimes I'll fly out of that terminal. Oftentimes I'll have to take that tram. And when I get on there, I kind of stand on there, and my first thought is, you know, there's a pole you can grab hold of. There's some rails, some different things you can get a hold of. And, and even long before coronavirus, I used to think, somebody else just touched this. And I don't, I don't really want to touch it. And so I say to myself, I'm not going to hold on to anything. And then that train takes off. And without fail, I kind of lose my balance. And I have to, and every time I think I'm going to be okay, and I never am. Because when, when life gets moving, you need to hold on to something. Jesus says to them here, the world is moving fast. Hold on. Keep doing what matters the most. Jesus tells them you need to hold on. You know, that's why I asked you what you're thankful for. See, we, we could begin to take some time and really focus on negative things. But today we want to focus on, on some of the positive things throughout our services today. We're going to ask people to respond to that question. What are you thankful for? And it'll create a little word cloud. We'll put it up on the screen so you can see the answers that people are beginning to send in, the things that they're beginning to say. And, and we've, got, we've got so many of you responding. Thank you so much. And what people are thankful for, they're saying family and health and Jesus and peace and for God and for work and, and for their children, for forgiveness, for online church and just so many things people are responding. And throughout the day, as we look at this image, we'll post it on our social media later so you can see how people responded to this because I think it's really important that in this season we choose to be thankful, that, that we don't just hold on in desperation but we say, God, where are you taking us in this season? God, what are you doing in this season? We're wanting him to help us not just to survive, but actually to thrive. See, I, I know that that can sound a little cheesy, but I think it's a good question to ask. Will you choose to survive or to thrive? What choice will you make? Look, I, I'm not trying to give you a pep talk. I, I'm not trying to give empty words that are tone deaf to where your life really is. Like, we'll, we'll talk about reality here in just a couple of moments. Stick with me. But what I'm telling you is this, I believe that God is doing something in this season and you have a choice to make. You can hold on in desperation or you can hold on and say, God, wherever you're taking me, I'm right there with you. And you ask the question, okay, Chad, I'll hold on. But for how long? It's a good question. Jesus says, hold on until I come. He says, hold on 
until I come. When he says that statement, until I come, what does he mean by that? What he means is he's, he's, he's letting the church know through the letter that John is sending to them that even though he came the first time, that, that's what we've just commemorated not too long ago when Jesus came at Christmas and when Jesus came and he died on the cross and, and, and he rose from the dead. That's the whole Easter and Christmas stories that we talk about. That's the first time he came. Jesus says, I'm going to come again. There will be what we call a second coming. And here's the reality of scripture. Jesus is coming again. There will be a day when Jesus himself, the Son of God, is going to come to earth. It is the culmination of our faith. It is what we are holding out for. We are living for that day when we will see him again, when we will stand before him. Someday when we will have to answer for how we've lived our life, including how we live through the pandemic of 2020. And what I want to hear him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. Am I just holding on in desperation or am I saying, God, I want to go where you're sending me? Now, now this whole idea of Jesus coming again causes us to ask a, a very significant question. Are we living right now in the end times? Because I've had several people ask me, Pastor, when, when we hear the things that are in the news, when we hear people talk about um, all kinds of things that we are being bombarded with, with the pandemic, with the virus, with changes in the government, with, with so many different things. Should we be concerned? Are we living in the end times? It's a really good question that we're going to look at next week. Next Sunday, our message is going to focus on this idea that Jesus is coming again. And how do we answer the question, are we living in the end times? It's going to be a really special service. I hope that you'll not only make plans to be with us for this in our services next Sunday, but also to share and invite others. If you know people who are asking questions about this or maybe who are fearful about this, this is a perfect time to reach out to them. Also next Sunday, we're going to be sharing in communion together as a part of that. And we did this in our Good Friday service where we asked people just to go ahead and prepare something to be able to share in the communion element, some, some kind of bread, and something that you can drink that will represent the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you might, you might not have a certain brand of grape juice or a certain kind of bread, and that's okay. We're, we're going to take this step in unique circumstances to come together and remember what Jesus did for us. So next week's going to be a really special service. And we're going to talk about this idea of what Jesus meant when he said, hold on until I come. But in the middle of that, look, look, go back to Revelation chapter 2, verse 25. Jesus says to them, I'm not asking anything from you except to hold on to what you have until I come. What, what does he say to hold on to? What you have. Hold on to what you have. And I wondered, what is he talking about there? <laughs> like, what is it when he says, hold on to what you have that he means? So I got thinking about it. What, what is it that we have as a church? What is it that we share as his people that we, that we have to hold on to? And, and I thought about that throughout scripture, not just this passage. But what is it that we have? So literally, I, I went to my Bible software and I put in the words, we have this. Three places in scripture, and I'm sure there's more that we could look at, but these three just stood out to me. And I believe God would have us to look at these today. Things that we have to hold on to as his people. 
three things that we have to hold on to. The, the first that I want to look at is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in a city called Corinth. And he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. What do we have? Well, number one, we have this treasure. When Paul says we have this treasure, what, what's he talking about? A treasure is something of great value. It's not something that you disregard or that you neglect. It's something that has very real meaning to you. Now, the treasure that Paul is talking about here is the gospel. It, it is the story of Jesus Christ. We, we've talked about it a little bit already, but in a nutshell, here's what happened. The very beginning of, of the history of mankind, the, the story tells us in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to sin against God and that, that brought sin into the world through their disobedience. And at that point, man was no longer in right relationship with God. And, and the whole rest of this book, the Bible, is the story of how God goes to great lengths to restore that relationship between man who has fallen and between God himself. The way it happened was through Jesus Christ, the Son of God whom God sent to live a life Jesus lived and, 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 and lived a life just like you and I, the Bible says, on this planet, yet he never sinned. He was falsely accused as a criminal. He was executed through crucifixion. And on the third day, he rose again. And Jesus still lives. And that's why we can look to him. And if we need forgiveness in our lives, he's our savior. If we need purpose in our lives, he's our Lord. That's the gospel message. And what Paul says is he calls it... <laughs> He calls it a treasure. If I, if I had to put this all in one word, when you say treasure, Chad, what are you talking about? Jesus is our treasure. Our treasure, what we hold on to, what we believe in. Jesus is our treasure. And when you think about a treasure, think of it this way. A treasure is to be valued. It, it's something that you literally, that you treasure, that you hold on to. If we had to ask, what, what's been the great treasure so far of 2020, well, how about hand sanitizer? How about masks? How about PPE? Things that people have been seeking for, things that people have been wanting. In, in a much more common sense, I suppose, toilet paper has been a real treasure lately, right? It's something that we look for, something that we, we try to find. And Jesus talks about his kingdom like a treasure. He says this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Look, when you find something of great value, you go after it. As your pastor, I've, I've been feeling this shift that's happening. Look, I'm not sure when we're going to be back together in the building. I'm not sure when, when we'll be able to gather in a way or if it'll ever exactly be the same as it was. But what I do know is this, that whether you're, you're able to come back into this building or not, God is doing something in our lives. And there's this shift that's happening from what do I do in this season to how do I get to know Jesus more? How do I grow in my faith? How, how do I have a more vibrant spirituality in my life. Whether you are a longtime Christian or you're a new believer, maybe you're watching this and you're just asking some questions about faith. Maybe you're not even sure what you believe or if you believe. Here's the deal. I want you 
to grow. I want you to have a very meaningful encounter with Jesus Christ. Not just to dial in and watch church online. Our hope is that what you experience online becomes in life. That in your real everyday life, what you're experiencing online has the opportunity to change you in a profound way. I want to say to you, if Jesus is your treasure, then get to know him. Find out who he is. The best thing that you can do in this season is to seek after that treasure of knowing Jesus. And some of you go, well, Chad, how do I do that? Well, I think it starts by acknowledging the Bible as God's word and being willing to find ways to spend time in his word. It, it, it comes from talking with God. It comes from making him and his will for your life a priority in your life. You may not know this, but every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we've been doing an online stream on all the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, on our website, ToledoCalvary.org. And, and when you go there at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights, we've been having a time of some brief teaching and prayer together. This Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching on there about how to spend time with Jesus, how you can get to know him better, how can you can experience his presence in your life. Look, I believe that since the first of the year, God has been preparing us as a church for this season. We went through our 40 days of prayer together. He's caused us to look to him in faith. Something is shifting in our lives from just surviving to thriving. And I believe it begins when we say, Jesus, you are my treasure. Now, let's not minimize this, though, right? A treasure has great value and a treasure retains its value. Something that is treasured, even when things are difficult, a treasure retains its value. Paul says something so interesting here. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. In ancient times, people would often take something of great value and put it in a, just a common clay jar so the people would not realize that was inside of something common had so much value. Paul says our lives are, are very common, almost even fragile, like jars of clay. And yet inside of us, we have the great treasure, the all-surpassing power, he says, of Jesus Christ. Such a fitting analogy for the time in which we live. Because I thought of so many of you. See, later in this passage, Paul, Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Look, that's, that's some of us and how we're feeling right now in this season. I talk about thriving and I don't want to minimize where you're at because some of you are saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it right now. Let me tell you what I've heard from my friends just this week. Like just this week, I, I've talked to those that are grieving because of school hopes and, and sports plans and graduation ceremonies that look like they have been lost. I've talked to those of you that are struggling because you do not understand why things are the way that they are. Or you're wrestling with decisions that those in authority are making. And you're not sure that you understand it. Some of you are worried because of financial pressure that you're experiencing or because of people you know who are in harm's way. Some of you are just downright exhausted because you've been serving on the front lines. Some of you have had to do unspeakable things in the way that you've had to care for people. You've had to be at the bedside of someone as they took their last breath and their family couldn't be there in that moment. Some of you, the word essential has taken on a whole new meaning for you in these last few days. Some of you are frantic because homeschooling was never a part of the plan. 
Some of you are disappointed because what you saw for spring and summer of 2020, it does not look like what that's going to happen. Some of you are fearful because we're fighting an unseen enemy and the news keeps going from bad to worse. Can I tell you this? Tough times reveal true treasure. In these moments, the treasure that is Jesus Christ, holding on to him in these times, it becomes more special, more powerful. It's in these moments more than ever that you need God's strength and his, and his peace and his joy and his grace and his mercy and his presence and his love and his compassion and his promises. Look, we read this passage of scripture a couple of weeks ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It's one that in my own life I've come back to over and over again. I think it's so important. This is it from the message version. It says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Look, let's not minimize something. It's hard when the things we see are here today and gone tomorrow. When we go through those tough times, it's difficult. There is loss. There is disappointment. But the end of the day, do not miss this. There are things we can't see now. And that's what lasts forever. Make Jesus your treasure. What do we have as God's people? Well, we have this treasure. Here, here's the second thing that he says to us. Number two, and this is really interesting. The word he uses here is he says, we have this ministry. Number two, we have this ministry. It's actually in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 1. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this. What do we have? We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Remember, we're talking here about three things that we have to hold on to. And Paul says in Scripture that one of the things that we have to hold on to is our ministry. You say, Chad, what do you mean by ministry? And then some of you are sitting there thinking, well, Chad's in the ministry, right? He's a pastor. He works for the church. So he's in the ministry. The reality is many of you are saying, well, I'm not in the ministry. I'm just some lady or I'm just some guy. I'm, I'm just some person who's a Christian. And the reality is every Christian is in ministry. You were called to a purpose. You've been created to make a difference. And when you are obedient to God and you serve him in the place where he's called and equipped you to serve, that is your ministry. You are doing the work of the ministry. Now, we won't take time to read everything out of chapters three and four in 2 Corinthians today. But Paul unpacks this more for us. Here's what he says. Our ministry is to live so others can see Jesus. Your ministry, my ministry, no matter where it is that we work, no matter what it is that we do, no matter where we're at in our schooling or in raising our kids or caring for our family or sharing in our community or on the job, wherever that is, whatever season we're in, our ministry is to live so others can see Jesus, to have Jesus seen in us. Now, this passage that we just read, 2 Corinthians 4.1, encourages me in two ways. 
It says that we are ministers of perseverance. We are ministers of perseverance. Go, go back to that, that verse. Let me, let me read it to you from a different translation. This is the Christian Standard Bible. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. In this season, we are ministers of perseverance. When I read that verse, the thought just clicked in my head. Somebody needs to hear that today. Do not give up. There's incredible things that God has called you to do. Listen, part of my concern with this message today is that, is that some people would hear it and that all they would hear is life is hard, so hang in there. And yet you've been called to so much more than just hanging in there. You've been called to persevere because what you've been called to matters. You've been called to bring love to the world. You've been called to help others to see life. You've been called to live life to the full because there's something worth going after. So do not give up. You have been called to perseverance. I read this week a story. She lives in Denmark and she drives her Toyota. He lives in Germany. He rides his bike. She brings coffee and a table and he brings the chairs and usually something else for them to snack on or to drink. And then they sit down together at the border between Denmark and Germany. And they sit about a yard apart, social distancing, you know. And these two octogenarians who are uh, boyfriend and girlfriend keep the romance alive even through the closure of the border of these two countries. Karsten Tuchens Hansen is an 89, 89-year-old retired farmer. Inga Rasmussen is an 85-year-old former caterer. They met just kind of by chance when he was in her city. Let me show you this picture. This is the two of them sitting at the closed border. They're social distancing, but they will not let this pandemic kill their romance in their 80s. I loved this story because even though times are tough, they're going to allow love to cause them to persevere. Now, that's kind of a cool human interest, kind of fun love story. But what's love going to drive you to do in this season? Like you've been called to show other people the love of Jesus Christ. So, so how will you minister? How will you share? What borders are you willing to cross to be able to allow others to know the love of Jesus Christ. Look, we are ministers of perseverance. And Paul also tells us here that we are ministers of purpose. Look, you have a purpose for your life. What's that purpose, Chad? Two quick verses. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. He has made us competent. How do you like that? Not too many times in my life has somebody said I'm competent. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Did you hear that? Your life is supposed to bring life to other people. A chapter later, chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is a beautiful story. We have this treasure in us of Jesus Christ. It is a light that shines through us and we are to share that light with others. Now, can I, can I pause for just a moment and just maybe talk to some of you that this is a tough time for you. 
Or maybe you know some others who are having a difficult season. For some of us, we're unsure about the future. We're experiencing financial strain or a lack of sleep or there's guilt that's in your life for some reason. You're, you're, you're having relationship challenges or maybe you're even in a point where you're questioning so many things, including your purpose in life. Can I tell you, if you need a place to start with your purpose, the place you start with your purpose it is with Jesus, that treasure, and that he's called you to shine your light for him. My, my family makes fun of me because one of my prized possessions, to be honest, <laughs> is this, this headlamp. I, I wear it very often. Part of why I wear it is because I got to do stuff. I got to fix things. I got to figure stuff out. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man of the house. So there's times when I've got to do stuff, and when I do, when there's work to be done, I usually turn on my headlamp. i got to have that light to kind of put the way in front of me so I can see what I'm doing. I'm a man with a light on my head. And this one, it gets brighter as you go, and even a little flash a little bit when you go. And I, I wear this when there's work to be done. It helps me accomplish my purpose. And here's what I want you to understand. You have been created. You have a purpose to let the light of Christ shine in you. Here's the place where we get thrown off from time to time. Where we get thrown off is that we begin to think that I've got to figure out my purpose and then I'll shine my light when actually it's just the opposite. You figure out your purpose by letting your light shine. So you can't see where you're going until first you have some clarity. First, you've got to get that clarity. First, you've got to understand what the light is showing you, and then you'll know your purpose. Now, understand this. If you need purpose in your life, it starts with Jesus, letting his light do a work in your life. If you're looking for your purpose, understand clarity comes from the light. Light doesn't come from the clarity. When you start simply by saying, God, how do you want me to live out your purpose for my life today? That light begins to shine and you begin to find your purpose for this life. Why? Because one of the things that we have is that we have Jesus as our treasure. And as a result, we have a ministry to show his light to others, especially in this pandemic season. Why does that matter? Third thing that we have, number three, we have this hope. <laughs> we have this hope. In fact, those are the exact words Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 say. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, and enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. We have this hope that God can be trusted. We have this hope that we can hold on to his promises. We have this hope. We can put our confidence in him. When's that hope for? Well, I'm, I'm telling you, friend, it's hope for today. You can put your trust and your confidence in God today. I know that whatever you're going through, whether it's related to the pandemic, whether it's your own health issues, whether it's questions that you have, if you're looking for hope, you can find it today. The Bible tells us in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it this way. Again, Hebrews 6, 19. This is from the New Living Translation. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So much of the Bible was written in and around the Mediterranean Sea. 
what's present day Israel and then even as you go up into Turkey and Greece and Italy. So much of it was written in that area where people knew what it was like to live a seafaring life. They understood this so that when he talked about an anchor in this passage in Hebrews chapter 6, the people said, we know what an anchor is like. I'll show you a picture here. This is an ancient anchor from, from probably the first century. Oftentimes just a very large stone. It would have a hole there in the middle so that a rope could be put through that. And then that anchor would, of course, be thrown overboard in, in the ship. And then in a time when a ship needed to be in a place where it was stable, where it was secure, where it was reliable. In those moments, they trusted that anchor. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a fame, firm basis for our security. It's reliable, well-founded, confirmed. Our faith isn't based on emotions or wishful thinking. We have a life of stability when we put our trust and confidence in the fact that God does not change, God is good, God is in control and you can trust him. What that means for some of you today is that when you feel like your, your life is being tossed back and forth, when you feel those winds blowing, when you wonder if you're going to make it, you don't just listen to those emotions. You just don't give in to those thoughts. But you say, I know that when I am anchored in Jesus Christ, when I find my stability and my security in him, that's when I find hope. The storm does not make sense to me right now, but I know that my confidence is in the one who does not change, who does not move. He is an anchor for my soul. And some of you may need to say that out loud today. You may need to pray that prayer. You may need to confess that literally with your mouth today and say, Jesus, in the midst of the storms of my life, you are the anchor for my soul. Because he gives us hope for today, and can I tell you, he gives us hope for tomorrow. Now, this is kind of a glimpse into where we're going to go next week. But let's go up one verse, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. It says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. See, we don't, we don't just look to the hope that we have for today. We have hope for tomorrow. Jesus is coming again. And everything that's broken in this world, he's going to put it back together. Look, friends, there's life after this life. You're not just living to get through a pandemic. You're not just living to get back to normal. See, the solution for things is ultimately not going to be a treatment or a vaccine. It's not going to be a leader or a renewed economy. It's not going to be a normal life because one day you and I will stand before Jesus Christ. And our hope is that one day he's going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. One day he's going to say to us, I know you, you're a part of my family. And he's going to take everything that's broken. And he's going to make it right. We don't know when that'll be. We'll talk about this more next week. I'm just encouraging you, hold out with hope that what you see today is not what we're going to see forever, that there is hope for today, there is hope for tomorrow, and put your hope in Jesus Christ. I had been uh, kind of wanting this certain item for, for quite a while, but I told myself, I don't, I don't need to spend the money or I don't, I don't need that thing. And earlier this week, I thought to myself, you know, actually during this season of working at home and pandemic and all these different things, it actually would be really helpful for me 
to, to have this. And so I, I got shopping online and I found where I could get it and I liked the price and I had a gift card that I could use. And so, uh, so I, I kind of said, oh, I'm gonna bite the bullet. And I ordered this thing on Tuesday. We've gotten so used to quick shipping on so many things that I ordered it on Tuesday and when it said it was coming on Saturday, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, I wanted to use it sooner than that, but it is what it is, so I'll wait. So I ordered it Tuesday, wait, waited on Wednesday. Thursday morning, actually, and I'll confess this, I was in a meeting and I said to myself, I wonder when that's, I wonder when that's coming. And so I was able to kind of just kind of slide, check my phone to see what, if it had shipped or not. Not only had it shipped, but it was out for delivery. Like it was already on its way to my house. I think, I think every five to 10 minutes I was checking my phone. Has it been delivered? Has it been delivered? Has it been delivered? Like I was so excited that this thing was coming. It was even coming quicker than I thought. And I was so excited because I had hoped for it and now I was gonna experience it. Now it was coming to me and I had been holding out hope. And if I can be that excited about a little electronic item, how much more should I be excited about the fact that Jesus is coming again? Now, I don't know exactly when, and it might be quicker than we think, but here's what I do know. I do know that Jesus is coming again. When he does, he's gonna make everything right. Friends, in the midst of wherever you're at in this season, maybe some of you are very comfortable. Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, things aren't all that bad, but don't forget that the treasure of Jesus Christ, it's your ministry to share that with others. Some of you are struggling in this season and I want to remind you today that Jesus is alive in you and you can look to him and as a result, you can find hope. Here's the question we've said today. Jesus says to the church in Thyatira, hold on to what you have until I come. He says, hold on because we're going somewhere and I'm going to come again someday. And so until then, you hold on to the treasure that is Jesus. And you hold on to the ministry that he's called you to share his love with others. And you hold on to the hope that he's at work in your life, even through the storm and into the things that we can't even begin to see yet. The question we've asked is, what do you hold on to? Friend, what do you have? You have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, the Bible tells us then you have everything you need. I'm going to ask you in this moment, do you know that relationship with him? Earlier, we talked about Jesus being our savior, being our Lord. And if you've not known that experience of him as the one who has given you forgiveness or purpose in your life, then today we want to share that with you. We want to offer that to you. In fact, I'm going to ask you in this moment, just before I lead in a prayer, would you go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment? Wherever you are, whatever this season of life is that you're in, I know for some of you right now, even as I'm saying this, you, you feel something internally. Maybe even your, your heart's beating or your, your mind's kind of racing because you know that what you need more than anything else is to put your hope in, to give your life to Jesus Christ, to experience his forgiveness, to know his purpose. Then I want to pray for you. In fact, right where you are, whether, whether you're with others or, or you're alone, if you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, or if today you want to make him your Savior and Lord, would you pray this prayer, repeat it out loud with me and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you forgive my sin, be my Savior. I give you my life. 
my risen Lord. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me today for the first time, or maybe you've, you've prayed it again, I would encourage you go out to our website, right on the home page. there's a button that you can click there. That link, it says, who is Jesus? We'd love to send you some more information about how you can know more about who Jesus is and have the opportunity to help you to grow in your faith in him. So honored that you would take this time to join us today. Before we go, let me pray a prayer of blessing. And then we're gonna go back out to Pastor Chris and Pastor Lindsay with just a few things to help us wrap up our service today. Father, I pray that even though we can't be in your house, we know that you are in our homes. And so Father, I pray that your blessing, your light and your life would fill every person that's watching this right now, that they would know your strength, your courage, your wisdom, your, 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 your presence in this time in such a powerful way that Jesus, we would treasure you this week, that our ministry would be to show you to others and that we would hold on to the hope both for today and tomorrow that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you look upon us with your special favor, with your wonderful peace, in Jesus' name, amen.